All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Coach's Box. We appreciate you stepping to the Coach's Box today. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined by Coach Natty T. Uh, so we got some soccer breakdown for y'all. Crazy things happen, Euro and the 2020 Copa America uh, tournaments. We got a lot of NBA talk, always some drama going on there. There's coaching changes, there's playoff analysis, there's ratings going down for the NBA. And we're going to talk about why that is. Uh, and then also we, we've had, uh, looking at sports and culture, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Carl Nassib and Kumi Yokohama, um, their announcements, um, you know, this week. Uh, so we're going to start off with our soccer. So Coach Nighty, go ahead and kick us off with your uh, top five uh, takeaways from week two. Yeah, so uh, week two of the Copa America and the Euro 2020, um, ended this week. So they're about to go into the knockout stages next week, which I'm excited for, but <sighs> my takeaways this week. So number one, French stresses me out as, as, as our listeners know, I am a big France, uh, national team fan, picked them to win a tournament. Um, but Man, they stressed me out because they played Portugal this week. And before they played Portugal, they had technically already qualified for the knockout stage. But they stressed me out because of how they play. And I blame the coach, uh, Didier Duchamp, because he's their manager. And he's he's an ex-defender. So he was the actual captain for France when they won the World Cup in 1998. He was the captain for France when... They won the Euros in 2000. So he's a defender. So he has more of like a conservative, like mindset, conservative approach to the game. But man, it really ticks me off because <laughs> France has firepower on offense. And he delivered the formation and the lineup that he picks at the beginning of the game is deliberately like putting the handcuffs on the team, essentially. Because he has like Kylian Mbappe, he has uh, Paul Pogba, he has Antoine Griezmann. These are all world class, you know, offensive players. And even Kareem Benzema, who's been back and fold now. Um, but in the first half, they played against Portugal. They just, just very slow. Like the energy wasn't there, the urgency wasn't there, and it's because of their formation. And then in the second half. They ended up playing a lot better because he how he was forced to go more offensive, right? And it puts a lot of pressure on the on the other team's defense. So, I just hope that when they play Switzerland next, I think it's on Monday or Tuesday. I think I just hope that he comes out with a more balanced offensive defensive lineup. Mm -hmm. Too conservative. I want them to be a, a bit more pragmatic in the offense. Um, but it's just so frustrating watching them because they can just do so much better. Now I'm really now I'm starting to sound like the French media, and then for our <laughs> listeners, I'm I'm relearning French. So I've been pretty much throughout the week I watch like French news and all like the French sports debate shows, just trying to get my French up. Mm -hmm. So that's and essentially that's what they're talking about. So I, maybe I'm getting too caught up, but that's just how I feel because. They won the group, which is from the outside looking in. They won the group, so that's good. But when you watch them play, it's just very frustrating. 
Um, now, the silver lining is Kareem Benzema scored twice. So, for listeners, Kareem Benzema is a pair forward. He hasn't been on the team, on the French national team, for I think it's seven years or eight years. Um, long story short, <laughs> he basically got kicked off the team because there was like some sex, you know, some sex tape scandal that he was involved in and it was just a whole mess. So he got basically blackballed from the team for getting caught up for the team. So he's back. And since he's been back this before this tournament, he hasn't scored yet. So similar to like a baseball player when they haven't hit a home run in a while, like you just kind of, it's in your head. You're a little more nervous. You're a little bit more tense in opportunities that you normally would score. So it was just good to see that he finally at least got that monkey off of his back. So I'm hopefully I'm thinking, you know, through the rest of the tournament, you know, he'll be a bit more active. So that's my only silver lining. But other than that, France, man, Didier Deschamps, he's the one that just, uh, why, uh. Why play so conservative? But anyway, that's number one. Number two, uh, Germany, Denmark, and Spain showed their resiliency. Uh, Germany had a pretty rough start to the tournament. Um, And really in that last game, they had to at least tie to get through. And they were down two to one to Hungary up until like the 80th minute and they scored so it just shows that, you know, they're still a, a, a world powerhouse in a way. They're going to play England, I think, Tuesday, I think. So that'll be a good game. Um, Denmark. So Denmark, that's the country that Christian Eriksen's from. That's the player that collapsed in the first game. Yeah. So they had, obviously, that's, you know, that's a rough start. And then they were kind of put in a tough spot because they finished the game, which they lost and you know they made some mistakes understandably so because you know their mind wasn't really there um so they were actually able to qualify for the next round in the in the last game by winning 4-1 so that was a pretty good pretty great moment for them and then Spain as well got to give them some credit (laughs) talk about a team that has tough critics and understandably so, they've created the most chances on offense out of all the countries in this tournament, but have scored like two goals up to that point. So in Spain, they were getting absolutely torched. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness, this absolutely torched. So they actually scored five goals in this last game. So they were able to actually kind of break through and show, show some uh, resiliency there. Obviously, the, the opponent wasn't as tough because they were playing uh, Slovenia. But mm-hmm. still, when you can, when you see the ball go in the back of the net again, similar to a home run hitter or even a, a a basketball player that's in a shooting slump, when you just see the ball go in, sometimes that just gets you going a little bit. So it was good to see that from them. Yeah. Uh, number three. So we go into the Copa America now. Brazil domination. Man, they. They had a tough, tough game against Colombia. So they were they're they're pretty big rivals. Every time they play, usually somebody gets a red card, somebody gets in some sort of fight. <laughs> it's always some sort of craziness going on. So it it kind of borderline got there, but uh Brazil was down 1-0 after an amazing goal by Colombia. It was a amazing like side bicycle kick goal which was amazing oh, that's dope. I, love, I love those 
Yeah, it was pretty, pretty nasty. So they were up 1-0. Colombia was up 1-0 majority of the game. And then Brazil scored somewhat controversial because the ball hit the referee. And then normally you kind of stop play, but it kept play going. And it was a bit of a controversy there. But they scored that goal. And then they scored in like the 100th minute of the game because there was so much stoppage time because of all the craziness going on. Um, Brazil actually scored like in the hundredth minute of the game and won two one. So they haven't lost in, I believe it's thirteen games. They haven't actually lost. So that kept that win streak going, which is pretty good. Um, and they haven't lost in in the Copa America on their home soil, and they haven't lost to a South American club in about two years. So. The domination's going on pretty well. Neymar is actually doing pretty well. He's not flopping around like he usually does. He did a little bit in the game, but he's been playing pretty well. So it's been good to see Brazil kind of get back to where they should be, being in the top ranks of the world. Yeah, powerhouse, yeah. Yeah. So that leads to number four. So Europe versus South America. So this has been very interesting watching both tournaments at the same time. Because traditionally, if you will, quote unquote, you know, the South American clubs, you know, your Brazils, your Argentinas, your Colombias, your Uruguays, Chile, um, you know, those clubs kind of tend to play or those countries, they there's a certain style, there's a certain flair that they play with, a certain up-tempo pace that they play with. Whereas typically European clubs are a bit more methodical as I mentioned in my first takeaway with France. Like they're just a little bit more conservative, a little bit more tactical, a little bit more defensive playing this defensive shell. And okay, let's not concede too many goals and let's just like be opportunistic on offense. But this tournament has shown, I think over the past few years or the past few major tournaments, past few world cups, we've kind of seen, Europe has really asserted itself as being the dominant soccer continent. Now, they've always been the dominant soccer continent, but um, I think they've kind of taken over the the flair and the actual, um, how do I want to put this? Uh, in terms of putting on a show, I should say. Yeah. They're actually doing a pretty good job of that right now. So because the last day of the group stage, that was actually the most goals that's been scored in the group stage in one day in the Euros ever. Oh, wow. So it's been pretty good. Um, and I've been pleasantly surprised by a lot of clubs that have really actually at least just shown some sort of balls, dare I say, to just go forward and just give it a go and just see what happens. Sure. That's what we want to see more of. Yes. I think it's been, it's been really good to see um, – you know, more of the European clubs kind of take that approach. Um, not to say that the Copa America has been disappointing, but if I'm comparing both tournaments, I have to say I've enjoyed the Euros more because the, the drama's been there. The games have been really good. A lot of goals have been scored. So I, I must say it's, it's been a very pleasant surprise and it's good to see. And I hope these clubs kind of, or at least I keep mentioning clubs, like uh, these countries keep it, keep it up. Uh, so my last takeaway, VAR still sucks. <laughs> VAR sucks last week. And I'm saying it still sucks this week. 
So, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, um, even in, in our basketball topic. So, and I guess I'll just go into it. So just like how there was a lot of controversy with that Suns Clippers game, game two, right at the end of the game. So the whole Donovan or Donovan Mitchell, I was going to say Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, that whole like out of bounds with him and Patrick Beverly. And it's like, well, you know, if you're on the playground and, the dude knocks it out like it's off him like blah blah blah. then you have the whole um amazing ollie you dunk at the end but deandre ayton great pass by crowder man that was a heck of a pass but at the same time you know you watch the play he's grabbing the jersey he's pulling him he's doing this he's doing that so why isn't that reviewed right So, because the argument is, and this is the same argument we get with the VAR in in soccer. Well, you know, we're just trying to get it right. And if it's if it's the right colony and it's the right colony, and I'm like, well, that's fine. But let's just be consistent on when we want to review stuff, and when we don't want to review stuff. That's the problem I have. Yeah, there's been offsides calls. Well, offsides is a whole different thing. But there's been offsides calls. There's been just penalties that have been given. Just other fouls have been given where it's like, okay, well, if we're going to review that, why are we not reviewing this? And vice versa. And again, I said this last week. It's just, I understand wanting to get it right. But adding an extra video referee doesn't necessarily always get it right. You're just adding another subjective set of eyeballs to judge the situation. I just feel like there should be some things that should be left on the field. So when the referee makes a call, he makes a judgment call. Let's leave it to him on on the judgment call. Now, if it's something that's completely egregious or something that the ref couldn't see, let's, let's, okay, let's bring this video assistant referee or in a matter of determining when a goal is scored. So classic, this happens kind of rare. Sometimes a guy takes a shot and it hits the crossbar it kind of comes straight down, like at a slight angle, yeah. and we can't see if it hit over the line. Like, I'm all for VAR, then. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. But there's certain times where I I just think that it should be left on the field, unless if it's just an egregious mis- mistake that you know, okay, we need to get somebody else to look at this to like overturn this, or just to take a second look at it. But to just look at everything or to kind of look at everything, but then look at some things, but not other things is very annoying. Yes. So that's my rant on, on VAR and just refereeing as a whole. (laughs) And that's what was kind of ironic watching it because it's the same, the same arguments like in that game two of that Clippers Suns game, it was the exact same thing with, many of these games you see with the VAR it's just like so <laughs> and even this whole like subjective line that they want to put like if I want if I wanted to be law- if I want to go lawyer mode like how do we know that line is even really the right line like y'all just put a line on the tv and said okay he's off sides how do you know that right. oh well, you know the front of his toe like how do you know like you can't be that accurate nobody's that good yeah so yeah. that's it's a just, little bit easier in American football because of the hash marks, like the dash marks. You kind right. of 
get an educated guess of where the first right. game is and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So it's a different game. That's right. That's what I'm saying. But I feel like some of those things, that's just part of the game. Like some of that should be left up to the referee's judgment. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that's just part of the game. That's just what it is. Like sometimes it goes for you. Sometimes it goes against you, yeah. but everything doesn't have to be reviewed. Every little thing doesn't have to be reviewed. And then it's just ironic that certain things that like happen and then, well, we can't review that. Like, what do you mean? Y'all said to get everything right, right? Well, why don't they review that? Yep. So that's that's my fifth takeaway. I'll probably have it on there next week when they mess up other calls. Too. That may be a constant theme. <laughs> yeah, next week will probably be like, VAR like, still really sucks. That'll probably be my next line for next week. So. You just increase the adjectives on there. Yeah, 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 man. It's just, it's just frustrating to watch, man. It really is. But, you know, whatever. We'll see. Because, I mean, in the NBA, I, I saw was it a, a uh, potential goaltending situation that they didn't review. And the players are like, yo, like, you're not going to take a look at that? That's what I'm saying. But they'll review, like, the they'll review Devin, uh, Devin Booker and um, – Pat Beverly knocking the ball out of bounds. Like, yeah. really? Like, nobody was even really contesting that, too. No, it wasn't. Like, you know, Beverly... <laughs> Beverly started clapping like, yeah, yeah, I made a good play. He wasn't yeah. even arguing like it was it was out off of the book. He was just like, yeah, I made a good play. Right. Oh, let's just, review that one. Like, what? Because <laughs> if, if that's the first, second, third quarter, you're not even thinking about looking at that play because right. it's just common knowledge that 99.9% of the time when that happens, it's out on, it's out on the defense. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I could see if a player is like, hey, yo, we need to take a look at this. But the fact that he was just like, yeah, I disrupted the offensive play. They're going to have to take it yeah. out, reset. Right? And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll take a look at that one. I'm yeah, like, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. And Because what, what, was, what was crazy to me was, and again, I guess not to get too much off topic, but what was crazy to me about that specific game like was DeAndre Aiden's play right before that? Because when I forgot who hit the who missed that three, mm-hmm. and it was like the long rebound, and it was between him and um and, and Terrence Mann. Yes. And so I mean, for me, it looked like Mann hit it out of bounds, but I mean, you can make the argument like, well, did it come off um, DeAndre Aiden? Especially when you just reviewed the play before. But they were like so certain. Oh yeah, that's Sun's ball. I'm like, wait, what? How y'all not looking at that? But you look at the other one. Yeah. And that and that honestly, and then even though Paul George missed the two free throws, that would have ended the game. But really, if you think about it, like if they determined that it went off of DeAndre Ayton, that ends the game too. Yes. Yeah. But they were like so sure. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's off. I'm like, wait, what? So you're 100% sure in this case, but not 100% sure. That's, it's just the inconsistency. That's what I That's what I don't. That's what I can't stand. And, and again, it's the same thing with the VAR and soccer. It's just the inconsistency with when they want to review stuff and what determines how they want to review. And it's just that that doesn't make any sense to me. Because like at this point, like you might as well just review everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. Either all or nothing. Like let's not like sometimes, oh, well. We might review that one, but I, but I guess such is life. Such is life. And well, such is life for the Milwaukee Bucks. 
but they're down 0-1 to the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, they are playing tonight. Um, Milwaukee's currently up by eight in the second. But uh, this, this, this playoffs, I said this in the last episode, like these playoffs here have been the most unpredictable, confusing playoffs I've ever seen. And I've watched basketball since I was in elementary school. And I, I'm trying to make sense of what I'm watching and I can't quite put my finger on it because Milwaukee should be dominating this series easily, like easily dominating the, the series. They, they have equally, if not better defensive team, they have the, the length, the athleticism, uh, you know, I look at, okay, if you have Giannis on one side and Trey on the other side, you take them two away, who has the best remaining roster? I'm going Milwaukee in pretty much every position after that. So, like, I'm, I don't know how that game ended up so close in the first place. I know Trey dropped 48. Um, and he do that throughout the series. I don't know, which is – I don't think so. I don't think they can get in enough. For the, throughout the series was why I'm sticking with Milwaukee in this one. I thought it would be easier, but I, I think it's going to be Milwaukee in six. As we stand here, I, I give Atlanta another game uh, in this series. The thing about it is, like, everyone talks about, well, they won by one possession. I was like, well, technically they won by two because the NBA came out and said Giannis should have got free throw violations on both of his free throws that he made mm-hmm. at the end of the game. So mm-hmm. now I, so because of that, that's going to be under a microscope for the rest of the series and for the, you know, for, you know, so I, I just don't, I'm, I'm sticking with Milwaukee. I'm going to do Milwaukee in six. Uh, but I mean, this is, this is Trey Young's like debut and he is, he has not disappointed uh, to this point, always finding a way to be effective. I was worried at the end of the uh, game seven with the Sixers because his shot wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he found other ways to be effective in the game, uh, which really speaks to how good of a player he's developing to be, uh, that he can still control the game in different ways without scoring. But if you need him to put almost 50, he can't put almost 50 on the scoreboard at any given night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I this shouldn't even be a series, but it's going to be. Uh, so what are your thoughts about this matchup? Man. You already know my thoughts, Coach Shady. <laughs> I said it in the group text. I was like, I, I dropped it in there. I was like, look, I, I ain't saying nothing no more to the end of this series because this is getting ridiculous. It Absolutely is. ridiculous. Um, so my prediction, I'm still going to go Bucks, Bucks and five. That was my original prediction. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. But I really kind of thought about it a lot more and – like you, like I think most people thought, you know, Milwaukee should have. I'm not saying swept. I mean, because I, yeah, I thought it'll be five, but I mean, they really should have won this pretty relatively easy. Mm-hmm. But I thought about it um, with Atlanta, and again, before I go into it, I'm picking Bucks and five still, just so that that's out the way. But think about Atlanta. Um, you know, Trey Young, Trey Young's definitely showing out. Yeah, I love that he's kind of accepted this uh, road uh, villain role. 
because he seems to really enjoy playing on the road and i like that oh yeah um because he seems to embrace just all the you know nastiness he's getting from the fans and he seems to feed off of that so i like that mm-hmm. um and then thinking about it as much as you know even most people thought Philly should have just swept them too. Very true. Um, if you look at the matchups, you know, Philly and Milwaukee is kind of similar. Now, Milwaukee, from a percentage standpoint, shoots better, mm-hmm. but they're both big. They have a you know, very long team, right? And Atlanta's relatively a shorter team. And they were able to deal with and be granted he had the little meniscus thing but he still played well obviously we know the issues with Ben Simmons but still um you know thinking about it the fact that they were actually still able to deal with them and beat them in a series it probably shouldn't be that shocking that they came out on one game one against the Bucks mm-hmm. from a matchup standpoint mm-hmm. um but the Bucks really should should win this pretty easily. I mean, because the problem I have with the Bucks is beyond Giannis, they just they really take too much threes. And not, what I mean by too much threes is just like you're bigger than them. Just punish them. Just pummel them. Yeah. Like I, you, but yet they just they I think they they just they bail teams out even even with the Nets because I, I always felt like once once uh once Kyrie went down they really should have won that in six yeah. I mean, if you really think about it Absolutely. I'm not saying that they're a super team I'm just saying when you think about the continuity that they've had for the past three four years they've had pretty much the same nucleus of players and they've had the best record in the East the last two years obviously they were well, they're, they're fourth this year, third this year. Mm-hmm. But you have no injuries. So, I mean, you really should be laser focused and be like, all right, let's let's get this done. You know what I mean? Yes. It should be. Should. But, man. Um, but as you said, this, this whole – this series in particular is one that's very just – it's hard to watch almost. Yeah. Because <laughs> with Giannis, he's very hard to watch to me. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's very awkward. And his his stat sheet at the end of the game is fantastic. So you can't argue with that. But like you watch the game and you're just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you just watch it like hmm. and again maybe that's my fault because you know I, I just when I hear you know two time MVP when I hear you know MVP and defensive player of the year in the same year you know when I oh you know he's he's a superstar he's one of the brightest stars in the league like when I'm watching the game like he just it doesn't do anything for me when I'm watching him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and again, and like I said, maybe that's my fault because I've been thinking about this. Like, maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm just being too biased, being too old school, I guess. But you know, when I watch like when you hear those things about LeBron James when he was, you know, kind of still coming up in the league, like when you watch LeBron, you're like, oh 
yeah, okay, I see it. You saw Kobe, like, okay, I see it. MJ, mm, yeah, I see it. Even D-Wade, like, when you saw, when he had, like, his his buzz coming up, you're like, mm, yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. When, when you turn on the TV, like, it, you saw it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining myself well enough, but it's just... And again, those guys were guards, so and forward, so maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just being biased, but he just he just looks awkward to me. He just don't. He looks like he just he hasn't really figured out like what he wants to do yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's one of the things I'm worried about in this series is if I'm Milwaukee. Which you just said that they they should have finished that in six, but it took them seven. Yeah, like to like you gotta you gotta wrap that up. I mean, I know Katie's great, but like you gotta like let's let's get rid of these dudes, man. Like it's a wrap. That it worries me because the way Trey Young plays, he actually makes it harder for the defender to last all four quarters. Yeah. He takes more out of you than Kevin Durant does. Kevin Durant is an extremely efficient offensive player. Mm-hmm. He he knows, you know, he goes he, he goes to a spot and he raises up, shoots over you, there's really nothing you can do about it. You don't have to chase him around the court though. That that's not that's not it. what he 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 can play like that but he doesn't have to, so he does. He doesn't waste that energy. Why waste it? Mm-hmm. With Trey Young especially against a a, a, um, a a long team in Milwaukee and a, and a solid defensive team. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to where you are. You're going to have to run with me for four quarters. So now it kind of evens things up just a little bit more because if I'm holiday, am I going to have enough gas in the fourth quarter to be effective offensively? So if I if that if you take one off that list, if you strike one off the list, it evens the rosters up a little bit more. So now it's Collins and Young and Middleton and Giannis. Yeah. Right. Now if you're switching off, like now if it's Middleton is guarding me, I'm gonna drain Middleton a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because it, in my opinion, Middleton's the key to the series. Giannis is going, you know, he's gonna get numbers. Um, you know, Trey's gonna get his thing, but who's gonna be that next best player on the court? That person can't be from Atlanta if Milwaukee wants to win this series. Yeah. Middleton, you know, is going to have to show why he's an all-star caliber player mm-hmm. because he's the more consistent shot maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one that usually bails out when their offense gets kind of ugly. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that choppiness, that hard to watch part that you're talking about there. Middleton is usually the one that kind of settles it in and gets a shot and gets them back going again. He has to be that guy too. So as hard as we are on Giannis, like Middleton's gonna have to be uh have to step up as well if they expect to win this series. Um and if they expect or if they expect to win it in, you know, like five, six games. Because if they go seven, whoever they play out of the West, they're gonna get they're gonna lose to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Cause again, I'm, I'm thinking about it and you know, I think. Really, I mean, Chris Middleton is going to have to be like their Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Like in terms of like, because Giannis is kind of like your Shaq essentially, because he's going to get numbers. 
but in the fourth quarter, like, because you can't – he did better last game as far as with his free throws. He's done better the last couple games. But still, he's not really that reliable in terms of, like, all right, we're going to throw it to him and then he can close the game out for us because, like, he's kind of a liability in that regard. So, like, Middleton is going to be – has to be the one that closes. So maybe that's the formula. And really, if you look at it, I didn't write it down, but – especially in that net series, really the games that Middleton played well, that's when the Bucs won. Yes. Yep. <laughs> the games he didn't play well, they did not win. Not win. Yeah. So, which was, you know, all the home games and game seven. Yep. <laughs> all the games in Brooklyn, you know, the pre-games in, in, in Brooklyn, he didn't play well in those games and they lost. So, you know, that tells me, like, you know, obviously he, he might be the Batman of this team. Yeah. Like Giannis gets the numbers, Giannis gets the, you know, he gets all the, the fanfare, but, you know, this might be, it might be Chris Middleton's team. Like yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe that might be blasphemous to say, but I mean, <laughs> to me, it just, you know, it, it just screams that like something's missing there. Yeah. Um, but again, at the same time, when I'm looking at it with my head <laughs> and not with my emotional self, but if I look at it just on paper, I'm like, look, Milwaukee, if y'all don't win this year, I don't know when y'all going to win. I mean, seriously, because I don't want to disrespect the Hawks because, again, they've they've proven that they've, you know, they belong here in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But, I mean, but come on, man. Like, you should beat the Hawks in series. Yeah. And then – if the Suns win, that that would be a tough opponent. But I mean, but realistically, I mean, the Suns are an upstart. Man. Like it's Chris Paul and a bunch of young dudes. Like you guys have been in the playoffs. You guys have veterans. Like you should beat the Suns. And then the same thing with the Clippers, right? I mean, there's no Kawhi. I think he's done for the rest of the season. But it certainly looks that way. Not me, yeah. Because a, a MCL sprain, like that's not something you just like. Oh, give it a few weeks and come back. Like, nah, like that's that's not good. And their medical team has been hush hush. They haven't said anything. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's just that's just my thought. So you're gonna have the Clippers without Kawhi. Like y'all better win that series. I mean, yeah. So for me, that's just how I'm looking at the Bucks. I'm just like, you you have to like. If you don't win it this year, I don't know when you're going to win it. Like, yeah. seriously. So, it has to be you. What is a common thread in, in most sporting situations is that the window is always smaller than it appears to be. And I, it's even smaller than that in the NBA. Because, as you know, at the end of every season, there's, like, some seismic shift. Yes. So, you so don't know what's going to happen at, in this offseason. When Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, we pretty much thought that, that was going to be what five, six championships at least there, because they would, because they, the, okay, the Warriors organization did pretty much everything right, and assuring that that was going to last a long period of time. Right. Well, what, as they say, the injury gods had a different story in mind, mm-hmm. and when that happens, emotions change. And sometimes plans change. Yeah. So then the team splits up, and now you know they'll be competitive next year with with you know Clay back and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it gives a window for LeBron and AD to get in there and get one. You know, it gives a window 
or whoever wins this year to get one. But I mean, there's no there's no guarantee that Milwaukee's going to even get this close at all next year. Yeah, that's that's Milwaukee yeah. can get bounced in the first round next year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that, that that's exactly where my head is because I, I like. <laughs> Like I'm analyzing it, and I'm like, "Well, the Hawks could do that," but I'm like, "Dude, it's Milwaukee. Like, you gotta win this this year. Like, if it's again, if you don't win this year, I don't know. Like, Giannis, if you don't win this year. I don't, I don't know, dude. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't either. And, <laughs> and this, this has been the prime year with all these injuries. Yeah, Milwaukee's one of the healthier teams out there. Yeah, because um, the only injury they have is a uh, Divincenzo. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, yeah, that's a loss, but he's not like that's not like a catastrophic loss. Right. I and you know, uh Atlanta's missing uh Hunter. You know, he got hurt. And I think Hunter is more critical to Atlanta than the, he's the best defender to Bucks. Yes, yeah. So like you're you're playing placing a you know, playing the team without their best defender. And um and Cam Reddish. And Cam Reddish, yes. Who gets buckets? So like there, there's some scoring off the board you're taking there too. So I Bonovich got a or whatever his name is, he got a bum knee too. Yes, yeah, Bonovich, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so he's been a shell of himself through the majority of the playoffs. Yeah, it's like you you got to take this now. Yeah, you got like, to get yours now. Yeah, that's why that's that's just why I'm picking the bucks. I'm just like you you have to just get it done right now. Like I don't I mean you have to. So because I look when I talk about why I'm a little concerned about this Hawks series because of Trey Young, is because the type of player he is, they haven't had to play that so far in the series. They've had they've been able to avoid, you know, Miami Heat really doesn't have that person. No, nope. uh, they were able to and Miami Heat wasn't clicking at all entering the playoffs. They made quick work of them. Milwaukee did. Then you, when you play the Nets, Kyrie was going to have to be that guy that you chased around all the time. He wasn't able to play. He got hurt. Then you say, like, oh, well, James Harden still that guy. Well, James Harden was a shell of himself in this place. You know, he was basically playing on one leg for the games that he did play. Mm-hmm. So your guards haven't really had to D up anybody. No. This is, they could just kind of pick and choose their spots. But now you can't. Well, and it's just a bad, I mean, I think it's just, it's not as good of a matchup because like, it's like Drew Holiday is a great defender, but I mean, Trey Young's quick. So I think, man, I don't know. Yeah. It's I mean, just, they're, they're, yeah. they're doing good work right now. They're up by 31. No, I mean, again, like, cause they're, they're hitting their threes. Cause I, yeah, I got it. I've, I've been keeping my eye on it. They're, they're hitting their threes. So like, when you do that, like, all right. All bets are off, but when those shots aren't going down, like what are you gonna do? And I guess you got to look at at at, at, uh, at Coach Bud too, because he just doesn't really make adjustments at all. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> He's like, "Well, this is how we play it, and this is, we're gonna live and die by this." Like, well, yeah, I don't know. And unfortunately, Coach K cannot be with us tonight. But you know who is making adjustments? Oh yeah, I Lou. I Lou making adjustments. Uh, so we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna transition to the Western Conference uh, finals. This is another interesting matchup because you think if you take the other team's best player away, it should be a cakewalk for the other team. I know Chris Paul been out, but I mean the rest of the roster definitely points in the direction of the Suns. They're a deep team. They're a young team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they're a talented team. And so, you know, the first two games, I was like, wow, you know, but the games are still kind of close. And I'm like, this is a little too close for comfort. Mm-hmm. But Chris Paul isn't there, so we'll see what happens. I'm not going to be prisoner of the moment. I'm still picking Suns, uh, Suns and Six. But with what I saw yesterday, everyone's talking about, oh, you know, it's all about the adjustments. And I, I admit that is a very key part. You know, he's playing, giving Zubac more minutes in this series than he did the last series because that makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, Beverly is, is being very annoying. He's annoying and frustrating Devin Booker at times. Even though I can't stand Patrick Beverly, he's doing what he's paid to do. Mm-hmm. That'd be a nuisance. Mm-hmm. But he is disrupting Booker's rhythm, and it's very evident. He even broke his nose in the process. Yes. So, um, but what I, what I'm going to hold on to in this series is that the Clippers won with the Suns playing their worst game of the playoffs. Yep. Honestly, the season. The season, yes. I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul hardly ever turns the ball over. I mean, he was turning the ball over several times. Yesterday. I don't know. He's getting back into the swing of things. They couldn't – him and Booker couldn't make a basket to save their lives. You know, it was – Cameron Payne's wasn't there, you know, playing with the ankle, you know, uh, injury. You know, it's, he'll, he'll be back. He'll be back for a series over, I assume. But – so even with that, it's like, yeah, the Clippers should be getting the victory. If that's the case, if, if, if I can't hit the broad side of a barn and I got some injuries too, you should be able to beat me. But if that all, you know, that all realigns, especially with home court advantage being with Phoenix, I, I see Phoenix in six. I don't even think they'll need a game seven. Uh, but I do respect the adjustments that the Clippers have made to be able to be very competitive to have the defensive energy that they've had this entire series. I got to give it to them. I got to give respect to them. I just don't think it's going to be enough to win the series. What about you? So I have a disclaimer. If Cameron Payne is out, I'm picking the Clippers to win. Ooh. I think he's, that's a huge, huge loss if he can't play. Um, but as you said, I don't, I mean, kind of wait and see. I've seen a few things saying, you know, he's going to play in game four. Um, obviously you don't know how, you know, healthy he may be. Cause I don't know if it's like a sprained ankle, like, like a Kyrie sprained ankle. Right. Uh, Cause he turned, he turned it, you know, turned it in game three. Um, but I'm going off the assumption that he's going to play. So based on that, I'm going sons and seven. Okay. So to your point, um, I think, or not, I think, um, Tyloo has done a really good job really throughout this whole playoffs of at least making adjustments. Now you could argue, (laughs) you know, they're putting themselves in these holes and they're just digging themselves out of it. So you can make that argument as well. Uh, But, but he is, you know, doing a good job as far as adjustments go. Um, because <laughs> you said it earlier this week, because you were like, you know, very interested to see what it looks like when Chris Paul comes back. It's where I bring Cameron Payne back into it. Um, I really thought he was big, big difference maker because his athleticism and his quickness was giving the Clippers trouble. Yes, a lot of trouble. And 
as we've alluded to before, you know, at this stage, it's about matchups. So, you know, with Chris Paul coming back, you saw it. They were, and obviously they were rusty, they were off, or he was rusty and off, and the whole team was off. But I do think, you know, at this stage in his career, he can't run at that same tempo and pace as the Cameron Payne. So it slowed it down a little bit. And you can tell it kind of let the Clippers defensively kind of gain some momentum defensively. Yeah, I agree. He doesn't allow you – if folks watch watch him play, Cameron Payne doesn't wait for the defense to set up at all. No, no. And that's what he's going to wait for all of his players to get on the side of the court. Like, he's if he sees an opening, he's going to the basket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which the, the defense constantly has to move around, adjust, and keep their head on a swivel. Chris Paul, he's going to wait, let it develop, and then make the best basketball play he can, which is usually yeah. the right decision, but it's easier to guard. Yeah, it's, it's slightly easier to guard. So I think um, if he – because if he's healthy or healthy enough to play and healthy enough to beat Cameron Payne, I think when you have both him and Chris Paul, um, you know, I think that changes the dynamic of the series completely. I really do. I really think he's for this particular series, Cameron Payne is that important to the Suns. I yeah. really do. And and Reggie Jackson, I mean, that man has had a heck of a playoff. Round. Oh yeah, he's playing fearless, man. He's playing man. fearless. And, and the one thing I and, and kind of piggybacking off of that, the one thing I do appreciate about the Clippers is how they're playing because that's how I've always felt like I mean you guys are all professional basketball players like I understand like if you know LeBron James is on the other side or KD's on the other side I'm like you're professional too like you're playing basketball like you guys were it again there there's levels to everything and there's levels to you know how good NBA players are obviously but you guys are all professionals for a reason like like guys are just so scared and just so like oh my gosh I can't that really boggles my mind a little bit now there's the mental aspect to sports is real and you know obviously you know talking about Ben Simmons everybody's saying he needs a sports psychologist and all those sorts of things and you know obviously there's anxiety and all those sorts of things so I'm not necessarily I don't want to downplay that but at the same time like when guys like Reggie Jackson play well, or even like a Terrace Mann, or yeah, even a Paul George. I mean, like, well, I mean, you guys are professionals. Like, you guys are very talented. There should be no reason why you shouldn't be able to compete. Yeah. You may not win, but you should be able to compete and make it a good game. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I do appreciate about the Clippers. Even yeah. since Kawhi has gone down, they've just been like, hey, man, like, listen, we're here. He's going to give it the best shot we can. Yeah, so we'll I, I really appreciate that. And live with the results. Yeah. Go yeah. in knowing that we can play well enough to win. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, they, they arguably should be up 2-1. Really? Yeah. All George hit two free throws. I mean, we might be having a different conversation right yes. now. Yes. So that's yeah I, I'm with you with the camera painting stuff because I he just had a very impressive playoff run. I'm just happy for him and the, and the trajectory his career is going uh, but yeah with, with him he has a an unorthodox way of running the offense yep so it's hard to plan for it yep because you never know what he's going to do with the basketball 
Nope. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, one 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 play he dribbles down, he he pulls up in your face for three, swishes it. Then he'll come back, do a hezzy, kick it off, real rotate, hit an open man, bridges in the corner, three, mm-hmm. switch. Then he'll come back, and then you think he's going to wait for his players to come down the floor. Then he just darts to the basket and does a layup. Or, mm-hmm. And it, so if you're going to try to counteract the Reggie Jacksons and the, and the Terrence Smiths, you've got to make those guys run. you yeah. got to make them, you know, put forth defensive effort throughout four quarters as well. And, and, and like you were saying, uh, Payne does that. Payne is going to make you have to play him and run around the court some. Yeah, and I, and again, just I think overall, um, the Suns just play better when they play at a higher tempo. Yeah, period. Yeah. Um, so with again with Chris Paul in there, it just kind of like it slows it down a little bit. So I think it you know it allows them to, as you said, set their defense and kind of like you know kind of dictate what they're trying to do on offense. But I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, game four, you know, obviously I don't think the Suns are going to have as bad as a game as they did. I mean, that, like I said, that was the worst game they played in the playoffs and arguably the worst game they played all season. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think Book will bounce back. I mean, I know the, you know, Patrick Beverly was being a, basically a gnat the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has the mask on and, you know, that's an adjustment to make. So hopefully after playing in, in it for a game, he can be like, all right, I got this. And then just kind of go from there. So we'll see. But game four, I got, I got sons in seven. Cause I, I do, res- I, I do admire what the Clippers have done. I think, you know, they're not going to go away. No. At all. So, cause even the whole, you know, the whole narrative, you know, out there, like, oh, Chris Paul's coming back. They're about to sleep. I'm like, nah, I, I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. I, I still think, especially without Kawhi, I think the Suns are better. So I just think eventually the Clippers' luck will run out. But they're not They're not going to go away. Mm-hmm. I got to give them that. They're not going to just, like, just go away and just be like, well, you know, we lost. We don't have our guys. Like, no, they're, they're going to play. They're going to play. are still going to have to beat them. Because uh... – and full transparency, those that have been following us, especially for the last uh, handful of weeks, I've been wrong every week about the Clippers, pretty much. <laughs> I, I've picked against them in, in every series so far, and, and somehow they found a way, they find a way to win. Oh. So I, I am saying Suns and Six, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, James, you could be very wrong about this. No, no. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, I, I think I, I picked the Clippers for both. Yeah, I picked Clippers in both series. You did. Was, you did. I wouldn't be surprised if they come back and win in, in seven. But I think this time is different because without Kawhi, that's just – that's a lot to ask, man. It's a lot to ask. It really is. Kawhi has been – very significant in the closeout games that they've won. in the Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, because – <laughs> you said it at the beginning. You know what's crazy about this whole thing? <laughs> you know if Kawhi was there, they probably still would have went down 2-0. Yeah, they still would have the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, in all reality, even if Kawhi was there, and let's say Chris Paul, you know, and even though they lost game three, but let's say Chris Paul isn't doing the whole COVID protocol thing, they probably still go up 2-0 anyway. And we're having the same discussion. Yeah. 
that's, that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what's crazy about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing about it is, I've complained so much about the NBA being so predictable, you know, for a while. Yeah. I've like being able to foreshadow, you know, foresee who was going to be in the finals pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. And man, this year has thrown me for a loop. You know, the bubble was uh, was something in itself, so I think that threw us off too. But like yep. this season in particular, man, like it's shit, been crazy. It's been crazy. So, but someone's going to submit a legacy. You know, someone's going to add a big piece to their legacy, no matter who wins, which is something I'm very excited about. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like and like I said in my text, it better be honest. That's all I'm gonna say. It better be honest. <laughs> That, leading on to our next topic, then, you know, I, you know, Coach Natty T put something in our group chat earlier today. Um, you know, him and Coach Wake Up were talking about uh, ratings and what's going on in the NBA and wrestling and why is that different than the NFL. You would think, no, I get it. LeBron's not in the play. I get it. Right. So you're going to have some people that are like, I don't want to watch it because LeBron's not there. Mm-hmm. But to be able to say, hey, because all those people were talking about the NBA is too predictable, the NBA is too predictable. And now you have something that is very unpredictable where it can be exciting because you don't know who's going to win and the ratings are down. Why is that, Coach? What, in, your, in, your, in your mind, why is that? Well, I mean, <laughs> I said I, I'm basically just going to bring our, our group chat to life here. Um <laughs> That's a very dangerous thing sometimes. I know it is. It's very dangerous sometimes. But again, I, I've always maintained the same, um, I guess, issue with the NBA. Uh, you know, I've been saying it on the show. I've been saying this for, for a few years. I feel like the NBA is lazy. Just just straight up lazy. Okay, this is even kind of even piggybacking off our conversation few few months ago when we we're talking about like the WNBA and trying to gain popularity mm-hmm. and you know normally people say well you know the NBA have you know created these narratives and you know look at magic look at Michael and I'm like well because the way I'm, I'm looking I'm like I'm not giving the NBA credit for that with those guys like I mean think about it because they talk about like David Stern and, and again I'm you know God rest his soul, David Stern, RIP. But they give him so much credit for like that TV deal in the late 80s when, you know, it really kind of brought the NBA to where it is now, you know, help kind of get to that progression. And I'm like, like you had Magic, Larry, and Michael. Like it's not that hard. (laughs) People want to see them. So, if you're in this negotiation with the TV networks, you're like, yeah, y'all, y'all want Michael Jordan on your channel? Like, that's it. Like, it's a blank check. Like, what? <laughs> How much you want for that? Yeah, yeah that, that's that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not giving him that much credit for that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I just... So, for me, you know, with, with the NBA and where it is right now, it's just, it's very interesting. Because as you said, I mean, you know, it's... People complain about it being very predictable, and then now it's pretty much unpredictable, but yet the ratings have kind of taken a little downward turn. Um, and to Coach Wake Up's point, I think part of it is, you know, the COVID lifted restrictions. I think everybody's just kind of like, they don't want to be stuck in their house. They want to be out. So that's that's part of it. Um, 
But I just think the NBA has just hasn't done a good job of necessarily building their platform without the stars. And what I gave an example of is the NFL because they, they do a very good job of maintaining their platform audience or their base audience, no matter who's playing, no matter who's injured, no matter what teams are in the Super Bowl, they've always maintained a certain level of viewership. Now there's obviously the NFL has definitely awards <laughs> that we can look at. Right. I mean, you know, depend on what side you sit on, you know, the Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, Ray Rice, plenty of other things. Right. But yet their ratings are still, they're still, they're still king of the castle. Right. Yeah. And why is that? And then again, I'll, I'll just go into what kind of what I was explaining. So, because for me, I think kind of the biggest reasons and to kind of correlate it to, to the NBA, I think the biggest reasons the NFL has kind of done that is accessibility because, mm-hmm. you know, their TV deals are with, you know, Fox, CBS, NBC, non-cable networks. The NFL network is available on most of your standard cable packages at no additional charge. They just did the Amazon TV. So the accessibility is there. And then the NFL, they've built their, they've built their popularity off of their franchises. That's why you have, that's why Aaron Rodgers can be in Green Bay for 12 years. That's why Brett Favre can be in Green Bay for 12 years. Cause that's a cornerstone franchise. Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Like that's not a big market, but it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Everybody knows who that is. Kansas City Chiefs, that's a small market, but everybody knows the Kansas City Chiefs. Even the Cleveland Browns, for goodness sake. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows who the Cleveland Browns are, right? You have Raider Nation. You have the Bills Mafia. I mean, those are all small market teams, right? Obviously, you know, Oakland Raiders just moved to Las Vegas, but still. And even to further that point, I mean, this is a league that didn't have a team in Los Angeles for over 20-some years. Very true. <laughs> That's crazy, right? One went to Oakland, another one went to St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, another was in St. Louis, yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Like, for over 20 years, even longer than that. I mean, that's a major market. Like, MLB has two baseball teams there, for goodness sake. The NBA has two basketball teams there. And there were no NFL teams there. And they're still dominating, right? Like, that's crazy. The third one I said, embracing innovation. Fantasy football. I've always felt like that was a smart move on the NFL's part. I don't play it personally, but I get it. It, it, it. What it does is it allows people who are diehard fantasy football players and, and um, you know, fantasy football nuts, if you will, fanatics. Yes. If I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, probably I'm going to watch only Cleveland Browns games. Mm-hmm. My fantasy football, that entices me to watch – all the football games oh, with a vested interest. Yes. Right? Yeah. And they've embraced it so much to where, like, they actually have pregame fantasy football shows, yeah. <laughs> like, on NFL Network, on yeah. ESPN. Like, they fully embrace the whole concept of it. Mm-hmm. It's a smart move. And in a game, compared it to the NBA, I thought that was a missed opportunity because the NBA is such a, you know, analytics 
game, right? Mm-hmm. They could have capitalized that way more than the NFL could. Not to say the NFL isn't an analytics game as well, but the NBA is just pure analytics right now. So you should have forecast that and capitalized on that. They do have fantasy basketball, but it's kind of like, yeah, but it's kind of like after the aftermath of the NFL success. So it's like, all right, well, let's try to copy that now. It's like, no, nah, that's not going to work now. It's too late now. Too late now. Yeah. yeah. And in, in addition to that, it's easier to keep up with 16, 17 weeks of a roster when you're playing once a week, as opposed to 82 games when you're playing multiple times a week. Exactly. Right. So that's, that's one big disadvantage the NBA has over you know, the NFL is just the amount of games, but, but still, you know, I think it's something that still could have brought you more consistent viewership or vested interest, you know, throughout the season. Right. Um, and then obviously the competition, I mean, the NFL is, you know, hands down the most, you know, competitive league, in my opinion, in American sports, I should say. Um, and then, you know, the big one, legacy. I think the, the NFL has done a great job of infusing itself in the American framework, right? Because I, as I mentioned in, in our group text, I was like, look, like, if you think about it, like what they've done is kind of recreate that like Friday night high school kind of vibe in the NFL because they own Sunday. People yeah. plan their day around the NFL games, right? Churches let out early. So Churches let fun. out early. Like <laughs> restaurants, right? Restaurants, right? Restaurants and bars, like for yeah. Sunday. I mean, they have sales and specials around football games, right? So the NFL understands that. So to me, those are all just kind of reasons why, you know, just, just to give examples, but you know, those are all reasons that I feel like the the NBA is kind of missed out on and why I feel they're kind of lazy because I don't think the NBA has taken it. Not that you would copy the exact same thing the NFL's done, sure. but I don't think they've looked at it from that lens to say, okay, we have Michael Jordan, we have Kobe, we have Magic and Larry, but how are we really going to build this whole thing instead of just saying, hey, guys, like, watch this great player and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, because I feel like the NBA, in all reality, you know, without Michael Jordan, obviously Magic and Larry was a big part of that, you know, getting it to where it is now. And then Jordan just took it global. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like, David Stern should be thanking Nike. <laughs> because Very. in terms of the marketing and the narrative and all of that, that was Nike. That wasn't the NBA. They did three-fourths of that work for the That's NBA. what I'm saying. They really did that work for the NBA. So I, I just feel like now we're just going to have to see, like, because now that LeBron, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth, as they say. <laughs> you know, how, how are you going to sort of kind of build this whole narrative again? And again, Golden State, we think we're going to be back next year. But again, like, Steph is only 33, 34. Not to say that he's not going to be great, but it's not like you're going to have this six, you know, 10-year run with him. Like, they're even KD. KD is going to be 33 in the fall. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not going to be peak players like they were as we know them and love them now. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're 
the movie's definitely getting towards the end of the film now. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so I, you you probably get another you know two years of elite like high level elite play out of them, and then that's it. So like, what are you gonna do? I think of all growing up and watching the NBA, which you said about Nike uh, is very prominent uh, in this conversation because it's not just about the, what the league does with the player, but what um, the companies do with the player and intentionally making that happen too. They're making yep. sure that it happens. Yep. Every Haynes commercial, every Gatorade, I want to be like Mike. Yeah, that NBA. Like yeah, that's not the NBA. That's right. That, you know, that, those <laughs> things, when I think of, of Jordan, like those things also pop up in my mind. Like when I was a kid, I was singing a song. I had a shirt that had the slogan on it, want to be like Mike. You know, all those things. The Nike's the shoe commercials that, you know, that were so memorable. We talked about this um, a couple months ago yeah. about athletes and the shoe sales and why they're not as high and lucrative, why it's not lucrative for everyone, including LeBron. When you when the whole NBA's narrative is based on LeBron James, but you're still getting outsold by Jordan. Like, why is that? Is because they're not they're not attaching any emotion into the purchasing decision. Mm-hmm. Most most people purchase off of emotion, whether it's something that they really like, you know, something that reminds them, you know, of a fond, mem- you know, my memory or something like that. Especially in the United States. Especially in the United States, that's how most things are marketed to the public. When's the last time we've seen a LeBron shoe commercial? And not even, and not even commercial, not even like an ad on Instagram or Facebook or something. Because, you know, Coach Wake Up made the point like, well, you know, people aren't really consuming the TV like that, which is a great point. But, you know, people are on Instagram, people are on Facebook. They have commercials. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube, they have commercials. Exactly. They have all these ads that they have right. to stream unless you're going to pay to opt out of it. Like, yeah. Um, but some of some of them, depending on what streaming service you use, are unavoidable. So, like, you're going to see something. You're going to right. see something. Why right. not make it those products to help people develop an emotional attachment to people? Because I think of, I, you know, Damian Lillard has pretty good shoe sales. Mm-hmm. But if you check his Instagram, he does unboxing. Whenever a, sh- a new shoe comes out, mm-hmm. he'll have like a little unboxing thing. He'll show the shoe, show all the packaging that's very intricate and everything like that. And he has it themed. So mm-hmm. there's a meaning behind it. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think Adidas has always m- maximized that opportunity. I think there's some, some gaps they have left to fill. Mm-hmm. But that's why he's doing better than some mm-hmm. of these other players. And then because he himself is putting it out there in partnership with Adidas to do stuff. So, yeah, um, I, I think there's a big miss. But when I think of Baker Mayfield, I think of Progressive, right? Yeah. And 50 billion commercials that he's recorded from them, which are funny. They, I'm, yeah. I look forward to seeing them. They make me yeah. laugh. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes with State Farm. Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Those commercials. You know, Drake from State Farm. So you bring in a recognizable figure. You know, uh, like that, you know, you bring in Drake for that. I thought that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's like who who's doing that for the NBA? Like what memorable ads, commercials, whatever is out there that we can attach to an NBA player. I really haven't seen any since uh, perhaps the... I think because Chris Paul has State Farm as well, but it's like, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit the same way. It doesn't, it doesn't. Because, you know, well, I tell you, you know the ones that were really good, the, uh, the Kobe LeBron ones. Oh, the puppets. Oh, man. I, I think, and man, I, I ain't gonna front, man. I just have some unresolved issues from that because <laughs> I'm still mad at LeBron for not making the finals. Because I'm like, I just want him to make the finals one year. Yes. Him versus the late. Oh man, Kobe held his part of the bargain oh. for two years. You know, for three years. For three years, yeah, 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 man. Oh, yeah. Those were legendary commercials that made people watch it because people were hoping for the matchup. They wanted oh. it but they were also invested in one or the other because you had the Kobe LeBron debate. And so mm -hmm. people were going to watch either way. Yeah. They wanted, they wanted to be able to say, ah, yeah, that's why this person's better than that person. And ah, that's what, when you're comparing LeBron to someone who's no longer playing. Yeah. It's not as enticing. So, you know, the conversations are all Jordan based pretty much at this point. Pretty much. Yeah. So Jordan's not playing. So, like, there's nothing there. But there's at least a little something that people will watch to say, hey, yes, this is going to add to his legacy or this is going to take away. People are still going to tune in. So that still keeps you at a solid amount of people, though mm -hmm. not at the same height. So when he's not playing or when he stops playing, what's the next measurement for greatness that's going to keep this casual fan going along we watch it because we love the game yeah but when jordan left it took a dip half the viewers left half the viewers left yeah i mean you got iris iverson and folks that like help try to pick it back up a little bit but those were iconic commercials it was an iconic figure mm -hmm. with sound bites galore mm -hmm. who he was on the court. He was unapologetically himself. So like that, people gravitated to that. Yep. And I think he kind of helped keep the NBA at least a little bit steady mm -hmm. until LeBron came in and then LeBron, you know, just skyrocketed after that. Yeah. Um, my other piece to what you were saying is, is it as simple as NFL is single elimination and NBA is the best of seven? I only say that because I know it helps. It, it helps, right? Because you can say what you want about the regular season. We talked about some tweaks that could be helpful because there needs to be some work done there. But you think about the playoffs, it's like, man, the playoffs, people are not watching the playoffs at the level that they usually do. So yeah. I think about it in terms of these big concerts. You know, Atlanta has their own, you know, kind of Chicago, New York, where they have about what three-day concerts. Mm-hmm. Now, you can pay for one of the days, two of the days, or all three of the days, different tier mm -hmm. pricing. It all depends on who you want to see, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to see, you know, Jay-Z, mm -hmm. and he's only performing one day, I'm only going to pay for that day that Jay-Z is there. <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. Yep. Even if there's other talent that are coming on in days one and two, 
if he's the person I really want to see, that's why I'm going to put my money toward. Mm -hmm. I think people are okay missing a game or two of these of these playoff series. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so maybe game seven viewership is higher than the rest of the series because that has ultimate, you know, impact. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are treating it like they do concerts and saying, hey, you know, if you're a true fan of music, you're going to pick and say, oh, I'm going to buy all three, you know, tickets all three days. I'm going to go have a great time, get a chance to see all this young talent and all the all the OGs that help make the game the what it is today. I get a chance to see all that. Some people are like, I don't care about the I just want to see the OGs. Yeah. I think that's partially what's happening here in the NBA. Yeah. The fact that you don't have a couple of the OGs still playing is also yeah. the problem. Yeah. No, I mean you're 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 right. I mean, like I said, the you know, the, I think the NFL or the NBA is somewhat at a disadvantage just from the get go because of the amount of games. Uh, but I do think I just think the NFL has done a better job, man. I think because for me, the big one is actually the the fantasy football element because I think yeah. the fact that they've really embraced it is a very smart move because it keeps it keeps the NFL young. Mm-hmm. It keeps, it keeps them young. It really does. Um, I'm a part of four leagues, and yeah, there's some people in those leagues that are like you could tell they love football, you know. Mm-hmm. And we, because we, it's interesting because when you start, when you gather together to watch it, you can kind of see who's in it just for the competition of fantasy football, who's mm-hmm. in it maybe just because they like certain players, or who actually knows and is invested in the football. Yeah. Because you got cats out there playing fantasy football, they can't name half the people. <laughs> yeah. They can't name most of the people outside of the quarterback, running back, receiver, you know, type thing. Mm-hmm. But those are the positions that, you know, fantasy football leverages itself on. So, like, I, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And the NBA can't really compare to that right now. It's, it's, it's way too late. They did, if they had a boat, they missed it. I think they missed it because, again, I, I think they really had a chance there because, like I said, the, the NBA is such an analytical game, you know, analytics game. Sure. I think they really could have had something there, but, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We, we shall see. Um, and I think see. the sad thing about it is, you know, because Coach Wakeup said, you know, because he, he was like, you know, he thinks this is actually a good thing, you know, because you have, like, Devin Booker, you have Trey Young, you have – these new guys popping up, but my concern is it's kind of going to go unwatched. It's going to go unnoticed because even like the bubble last year, right? I mean, there were some great, like the actual basketball being played yes. was great, but people didn't want to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell going at it for Yeah, second. I mean, that that was a great, yeah, I mean, that was a great series, but like people, people didn't really tune in. Yeah. I mean, so that to me, that's the sad part. I just feel like it's kind of going to go, it's kind of going to go wasted almost, you know? So yeah. we'll see. Because hey, I, I think, you know, I'll add the coach's box. We got some good ideas for we you. We got some good ideas. We've already mapped out your regular season for you. We're <laughs> mapping out the playoffs for you. But I'm really interested to see, you know, as we spoke in earlier episodes about the collective bargaining agreements, what do those look like uh, moving forward? And I know the NBA is looking to make some adjustments to the season. Um, I don't think adding a mid-game tournament is the right one, uh, but we'll see what they ultimately come up with. 
But to but and then you and you've always brought up a great point. I mean, I guess this is my last point on this is the divisions because the NFL does that fantastic because I mean they make the whole end of the season about divisions. Yes, it means something. Mm-hmm. Like the NBA should do the same thing. You know, like second half of the season, like you just play nobody but your divisional teams. And yeah. then, you know what I mean? Like that could be like your quote unquote tournament, if you will. Right. Have it at the end where there's some there's some uh, power and impact behind it, you know? Yeah. So like, like I said, like people can't even name who's in what division in the NBA, but people can reel it off in the NFL. And, you know, you look at the NFC East, that division is, seems to be always a toss up. Well, yeah, okay. We, the NFL knows it's going to be a toss up. So for most people in the NFC East, they're paying NFC East schedule the last five, six weeks of the, of the yep. year. Yep. Yeah. So all of those games are going to count. And then they're putting them on the major networks. Mm-hmm. And they're leveraging their powerhouse because the Dallas Cowboys are in the NFC East. So they know whoever the Cowboys play, people are going to watch. Yep. We're going to match that up with the division games. And then we're going to, it will be fine. It'll be, people will be very excited to see who wins. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the NBA has a long way to go in that aspect. And to what you said, has benefited a lot of major game transforming star power uh that without them they've struggled to keep that same momentum going um Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, so our last topic here we're going to talk about quickly uh you know coach and we'll start with you what impact will carl nasib and uh kumi yokohama uh their announcements of uh, of coming out have on sports going forward i mean i think we're going to see more of it um you know and speaking from experience i mean again i've had teammates that were gay and I mean I didn't really care because they I mean as long as they could play I mean I didn't really it didn't bother me I didn't really care it's like can you play or can you, can you not play that's really what matters to me um but I do think you know I've obviously a lot may say it's you know taken too long but I do think we're at this stage now where like that's not even going to be an announcement anymore Mm-hmm. which I, I in all in all sincerity and all honestly i think that's kind of how it should be because it really isn't like none of our business really it's just can you play or can you not play it shouldn't matter if you're if you're gay if you're straight or whatever i mean if you can if you're a good player you can play like you, they should be able to play like it's not there shouldn't be any like oh well you know car Carl Nassib, oh, he's gay. Well, he shouldn't play in the NFL. I'm like, no, I mean, if he's a good player, he can play. Like, it really doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care about the other stuff. I mean, it's none of my business. Yeah. So that's kind of overall my my point about it. I think um, it is interesting because, again, I've had teammates that, that were gay and or that are gay, I should say, and they didn't really – not that – I mean, we're talking about college soccer and semi-pro soccer, so it's not like that's going to be a big announcement. But, you know, they didn't feel the need to kind of, like, make this announcement even amongst, like, ourselves because they were just like, hey, I'm here to play. Like, I'm not here to do all that. Like, that's kind of like – that's my private life. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to play and try to get on the field and try to battle and try to win and try to be a part of this collective group to work towards this one collective goal. Like that's what I'm here to do. So 
but I understand the other side of it too, as far as you know, with Carl Nassip and 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 Yokohama to really make that announcement because you know they feel the need to kind of like, hey, like this is normal. This isn't like something right. abnormal. So right. I get I get both sides of it as well. So I just think, you know, of course people online and you know people in general will have their own opinions about it and try to say oh well he's just clout chasing or she's just clout chasing and no I mean I think they just had to make a point and then they just all right let me get back on the field and play yeah um so that's why I do I do like it because I think with um you know because people brought up Michael Sam I mean obviously he was the first you know openly gay player you know that came out he didn't actually play in the NFL. I mean, he got close. But again, I think <laughs> no matter if you're Michael Sale, no matter if you're Tim Tebow, no matter if, if you're Colin Kaepernick, if as soon as those, whatever it is, start to like kind of take over, over you playing, mm-hmm that's where issues start and what i mean by issues is in sports it's a great platform to have and it's an impactful platform to have but it's only a great or an impactful platform if you're playing and if you're good yeah <laughs> you stay on that's the, just stay on the court and that's why I bring up, and that's why I bring up, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, Michael Sam, it doesn't matter even if you're Tim Tebow, because, you know, obviously Tim Tebow is, is you know, overtly Christian on his sleeve type of guy. And there's kind of been this notion flown out there that that was a reason as to why he wasn't playing in the NFL. It's like, no, nah, dude, because you sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not the only, you know, Christian NFL player, Tim. I yeah. mean, you're not the only one, so others have been very outright about their religious beliefs as well. Yeah, like yeah, you know, like Russell Wilson. You had guys like you know Reggie White. You know, RSS. So I mean, yeah. you have guys like that. Um, you have even in in the NBA, like because even Steph Curry, mm-hmm. Aaron Collison. Mm-hmm. You know, all those guys are pretty overtly Christian, but they can play. Yeah. <laughs> so that that. So to me, that's what matters in the end. I think that's where people get it mixed up. Like, yeah, sports is a good platform. It's a great platform, but it's only a good or great platform if you're playing. If you're playing. So you have to make sure you handle your business first on the field or court or whatever. Then if you want to use that, that's fine. Because everybody brings up LeBron James, but LeBron James is arguably one of the greatest players that ever played a game. So right. yeah, he can say stuff. They're not gonna cut LeBron James. <laughs> no. 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 You know what I'm saying? He makes sure he does what he needs to do on on the court. So yeah, he can say whatever. Which which speaks to the amount of pressure that could be on folks if they wanna talk about their message, their identity, and everything like that, that they have to make sure that they are they're performing at optimal level and so it's you know the sad piece about it is that it probably would have benefited Michael Sam more to wait until he got to the NFL and then said something you know performed pretty well and then said something 
Yeah, you know, and it sucks that it has to be that way because it shouldn't. It really it shouldn't. shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. shouldn't. It should. To your point, it shouldn't. But to your point, because he had like the whole reality TV going, and and I get it. I I get it. I understand it. But like you 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 haven't even been in the NFL yet, dog. Like you got to make sure you like on the team playing. Because what happens is being on a team and someone that was you know played at a high level and was on a team. You know, when, when you kind of bring that outside noise, it's a distraction for everybody else on the team. And what I mean by distraction, I'd say that it's a bad thing. But again, sports is only good if you're winning and if you're playing. And you kind of need that common focus to kind of play. Mm-hmm. So, like, outside of that, that's fine. But, you know, again, if you, if you haven't secured your spot yet, I wouldn't – have a reality tv show now if you have a reality tv show you better come with it i'll tell you that i think that's why the onus shouldn't be on folks to say hey you know what i'm going to be very brave and say something about my identity while i'm here and i have the microphone in front of me i have a platform and stuff like that because if if we shifted parts of toxic locker room culture, which, you know, some people, you know, comparing men to women uh, and using homophobic slurs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's that's why some of these people are like, hey, yo, I got to say something. Yep. Yeah. No, like we're in the building, too. We could be your teammates. So, like, why why say that this is less masculine or, you know, because I'm like this, you use these slandering words and stuff like that. And I think those things have to change so we don't put all these pr- all this pressure on people to have to say something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, you know, that could harm their careers, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if we have to, the change has to come from an infrastructure perspective, right? And I, I always correlate it back to other movements that have gone on throughout our time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at... Um, movements uh civil rights movements and stuff like that there were brave people that stood up and they should be commended at doing so but some of them paid prices they lost jobs they lost their lives they lost you know all these things that came with that because the infrastructure wasn't there that's not to say that people shouldn't be brave if they want to say something but they should know that there's a cost that comes with that even though that cost is unfair what we need to be doing uh, for those that don't identify like that, is that no movement has ever been accomplished without people outside of the uh, oppressed identity group stepping up and doing something about it to change the culture. Mm-hmm. And so it shouldn't be on Carl or, or, or Kumi or Michael or, or Colin. It shouldn't be on all these people to have to say something to make a stance to stand out. It should be like, yo, we should all be supporting them. Then it doesn't make it a, a huge thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not a distraction because we all doing it. We're all taking care of each other is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I kind of look at it that way, um, you know, but it, it is something that's like, hey, you know, I don't know if, if that were me, that I would be brave enough to say something. I really don't. So I respect, I do respect. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, so President Biden said, you know, to Carl Nassib and Kumi Yokoyama, two prominent inspired athletes who came out this week. I'm so proud of your courage because of you. Countless kids around the world are seeing themselves in a new light today. Uh, he put that on his Twitter account. Uh, and so I, you know, there is some really good that's being done, but I hope that these 
this starts to normalize things a little bit more. So this stuff doesn't have to happen with the cost attached to it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one thing I do see that it's going to be a little bit challenging is that even people that would identify themselves as open and inclusive and thoughtful, mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, there's legislature out there actually in Ohio right now of when it comes to trans athletes, saying you're not allowed to play for this team, though you identify like that right now, you're not mm-hmm. allowed to play for the women's team. Mm-hmm. Oh, you identify as male right now, you're not allowed to play for the men's team. Uh, and so though there's a lot, I think that journey has a longer way to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of those aspects. And then people are, you know, they're throwing science out and talking about competitive advantages and all those kind of things. Um, when do people, um, you know, start their transition? What difference does that make in their competitive um, careers? Mm-hmm. You know, and stuff like that, you know, so that is, it's just sad. We got to think about all those layers to it. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, in, in Yoko's case, I, I thought it was interesting what they said. They go by they, them pronouns. You know, they, they said that they would like to live as a man um, in the future once they quit soccer. Hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, without knowing too much about them, uh, they feel like they have to stay in this space and handle their business and their identity and then do some more, you know, uh, transitioning or, you know, stuff like that afterwards. So they don't have to worry about the whole um, competitive discrimination or whatever, you know, the case is made, mm-hmm. the legislature that's coming out. So it's, it's very interesting to see uh, that you know, all this developing right in front of our very eyes and people are so quick to just throw legislation and say, hey, you know, this isn't good, this isn't good, this is good. But we're not actually having a conversation. No. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that, I'm not even going to pretend I have an answer for that because it's like, because once you start getting into legislation and, you know, getting that passed and getting stuff overturned, I mean, that, that's, that, that, that that's just a whole different okay there. I mean, I guess, like I said before, I guess not to sound too redundant, I just think, you know, me personally, Coach Natty T, how I view it, like, if you can play, like, I don't really care. Like, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, because I think, at least I hope we're at this stage now, and and again, my teammates that I had that were gay, I mean, for us on the team, I mean, we really didn't care, because they're just like, yo, he's good. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't like he's a good player like I really you know I mean that just to me like you're at least just my narrow-minded thinking I guess is you know listen like when you're when your game does the talking like your game is going to have more respect than anything else in a locker room just being just from being in it from you know, experiencing it, playing sports since I was four years old. Like, listen, when anybody steps on that field or court of play, when they bounce that ball or when they kick that ball or when they hit that tennis racket or when they throw that football or catch that football, when you see them and they're like, oh, yeah, he's good. That has that that's what gives the most respect, even more than above what you say. So. To me, that's how I look at it. Like you know, because again, if they, if you know, they come on and play and 
they just killing everybody, crossing up everybody. I'm like, what you gonna say? Mm-hmm. What yeah. can you say? Because y'all want to win, right? Right, right. Okay. All right, then. Well, is Cardassian a good player? Yeah. All right, well, we got to win. Put him out there. Let him sack the quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. That's just, but that's just me. I mean, you know, right. that's all I look at. From a global perspective, you know, it's, there's much more of a risk attached to it depending on where, you know, this person's home country is from. And so, um, you know, in, in Yokoyama's case, you know, Japan is, you know, we're not even close to perfect when it comes to this. Like I said, there's legislature out there right now, you know, and, and even, you know, people getting married was, you know, a, a huge, it, it's still a huge battle in some spaces and it took a long time for that to happen. But you imagine, um, you know, in Japan, you know, it's starting to get out there. It's on social media and everything like that. Um, but the government there is not even close to as accepting mm-hmm. uh, as, as many government officials are here, you know? And, and so, cause they they had tried to pass some legislature there in Japan and people shot it down, you know? Yeah. So, so like, um, there, there's an attached level of respect and bravery when I hear, you know, someone that eventually may have to go back to their home country um, and then maybe experience some very nasty things as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So supported. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that's my piece on it too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Have another episode. Thank y'all for stepping into the coach's box. Uh, on behalf of Coach Natty T, I'm Coach JP3. Y'all have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay blessed, and we'll catch y'all next week. Peace.